Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. And welcome back to episode 26 of To The Point Cybersecurity. I am your host, Erica Pierce, and joined um, every week by Eric Trexler as well. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Hey, Erica. I'm doing great. Sounds like we're over the half year mark, if you count the Christmas holiday. <laughs> we are. We are. We're smooth sailing. So um, so this week, we're excited to have a guest. We have Phil uh, Dianjo. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly with trying to have a little bit of an Italian accent there <laughs> um, from Force Point. And we're kind of going to switch gears um, this week. We spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about what's going on in the world of government cybersecurity. But uh, this week, we thought we'd focus a little bit more about what What's happening on the commercial side, because we know, you know, government's always looking at what's happening on the private sector and vice versa. So it's good to have that mix. So, Phil, thanks for joining us this week to talk about that. Awesome. Good to be here. Yeah, Phil, we actually got a, a few requests yes. asking to have a little more of a commercial flair, I think, from government personnel and others that wanted to be able to compare and contrast the differences. Well, commercial flair is my forte, so you have uh, come to the right place. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, let's let's just start off at a very very high level, Phil. So, um, you know, we know right now one of the things that we're seeing, um, and I think it's a very positive thing for the industry, is that we're seeing a shift in terms of how cybersecurity is prioritized within organizations. So, in government, we now see the CISOs, the CIOs, um, they're at a much more elevated place. They're a part of um, making decisions uh, around how programs are, you know, are how funding is done in terms of trying to accomplish the mission of the of the agency. It's not cybersecurity is starting to be less of sort of just this offshoot when things go wrong. Um, are we seeing those same types of things in on the commercial side in terms of that priority in terms of, you know, the CIO or um, whoever's really setting the agenda for cybersecurity within a company? Are they at the seat at the table with the C-suite and helping to make decisions? There, I don't think there's any question that the you know, the CISO role has elevated steadily over the last several years as you know corporate risk becomes a is a discussion point or discussion a decision point uh, around investments a company might be making. Um, the they probably were not included in all those discussions uh, five six seven years ago. Uh, but as far as the way that companies operate in the commercial sector, technology is woven into the fabric of everything that drives growth. Um, you know, for, for, for most companies, it's, 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 um, it's critical infrastructure for their growth strategy. And so having a point of view and a perspective on the company's ability to execute a new strategy or to drive growth through a, an initiative uh, securely is, is totally linked to its risk profile. And every company or agency or country really has a, you know, has an acceptable level of risk that they'll take on in their endeavors. And that's why I think it's, um, it started to become part and parcel um, and, and part of the, you know, part of the everyday decision-making at, at the C-level inside companies, for sure. So break that risk component down. When you when you say they're talking about risk, that's not something we hear on the government side as much as you would think. What do you mean? Well, I think the the biggest risks to companies are often the biggest opportunities, the people and the data. You know, your data, your intellectual property, 
uh, at a company may be your trade secrets. The people who develop that IP are, you know, are part of your competitive advantage as well. And so, you know, on one hand, the threat that creates risk could be arrogance, damage, neglect, abuse, greed, theft, um, misuse, disgruntlement. That that manifests itself uh, out of out of the people, right? That work at the company. The vulnerabilities that are associated with your data are, you know, could be false positives that you you're you're flashing. Uh, could be poorly aligned controls to your your intellectual property. That combination creates risk in your business. But do these so. do these businesses, in your experience, actually allocate risk based on application or business unit? I mean, do they understand it at a more granular level? Some do um, at a granular level, but not at scale. It's very hard to understand risk at the application level. Um, however, when you if you really understand the data and the people. Um, you, you, you get past a point where you have to think about applying controls or understanding risk, uh, at a technology level. In fact, I think if you try to, uh, um, if you try to achieve risk mitigation from, from a technology perspective, um, it's, it's very challenging. That's why I believe that it, a human perspective is much more tolerable, um, of a model to follow because, you know, you're, they're going to, you're going to have patterns to follow around humans, um, creating risk in, in your, in your working environment. And I think that's true about any organization. It's not a, I don't think that's very, uh, commercial versus government centric at all. What I found in the government space is it's very binary. Everything has a very equal risk level and it's, mm we're looking at this or we have a tool that does this, the, the tie back to risk in, in many cases, I'd even argue most cases isn't understood, right? So taking, taking classified information out of it, where you've got separate networks and things like that, a given agency may not protect PII any more than they do, uh, you know, common email traffic or something else. They don't look at different risk levels. They don't look at mission data, differently in many cases. And in fact, sometimes we see with weapon systems and other data that's collected, it's there's no security at all. Where you would think that would be very sensitive information that would be protected well, email or, or web traffic is actually scanned more effectively. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, <laughs> it's, but it doesn't feel good. Uh, no, it doesn't. I, I mean, I mean, really, that's the, the challenge, of course, is if you try to apply tech to tech uh, for reduction of risk, you're going to have blind spots. Um, I, I just think that if you can if you can follow the users or the people in the business, their behavior and the signals that come from their behavior will tell you where the risk is. And, and to your point there that you illustrated about a, a potent, you know, some environment where they don't they don't watch PII, or they don't keep tabs on on how PII might be might be utilized by their people. Well, that would be a, a tremendous indicator of of risky behavior if it's if it's being accessed and being moved in a dramatic fashion. You know, usually there'll there'll be uh, sensors or signals uh, of that that new change in the business, and it might not it might be it might be genuine. Um, it might not be, but it also might be risky. Either way you look at it, um, so I I just don't you know I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna make a big dent in the security problem. If we continue to apply policy 
at the at the tech or at the app. I think you use the term application level or the network level. Um, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like it's going to get to the, the granularity and the scale you need. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I mean, we'll see customers who have, you know, at the endpoint they're they're running a tremendous amount of capability on, on their servers, their endpoints, you name it. They move into the cloud and they're not running anything, right. which is bizarre to me. Right. How do you protect even, one but not worse. the other? The, the, what I've, 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 this kind of drives me nuts, right? If you have a data protection strategy in, and again, it goes back to not, this is not a, a point of view that I have about government versus commercial, but if you have a data protection strategy that you believe in, then you, you probably are aware of where the riskiest data is or is going to be. And you probably have the ability to implement controls um, in those in those legacy environments. Then you move or adopt the cloud and you you deploy a, a net new data protection capability, a tool, if you will. But it's not connected to your 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 mainstream data protection tool. So now you have two data protection tools and two operational plans to support data protection needs in, in the new modern world of the cloud and the old world of, the, of days gone by. That All that does is make you less efficient. It's like going to lunch with somebody, but you don't actually sit with them in the same restaurant. You go to different <laughs> restaurants. You're not talking. Yeah. It's an interesting it, way it, to that, look at it. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't just came work. to me, Erica. Just came to me. So doesn't how work. do you change that I, that dynamic, though? Then how? I mean, what's the message when you're out there talking to some, in, um, you know, to both commercial or even government? And how do you shift that that way of uh, even, I guess, that mindset even? I, I candidly, uh, Erica, I've been drawing it on the whiteboard for the last several weeks um, in the last last couple of weeks in particular. We, we just, you know, we, we spent a lot of time just understanding what a client is doing and would be doing uh, as they adopt Office 365 as an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, Office 365 or Salesforce Workday are extremely popular transitionary um, target apps, right? So we're, we're talking about major adoption, whether it's it's in the US or in other parts of the commercial world, um, that's definitely driving a, a, a renewed assessment of security controls. And I put it on the whiteboard because if you don't visualize the, the concept of applying a security control at you, in your current environment, at the endpoint, at the network, at, at your mail um, egress points, or where the workloads are going to go, then then it, it's hard to you know hard to frame it in my mind. Uh, but you really do have to frame the discussion as data protection, and you get to a point. Hopefully, well, I do. I know I get to a point where I realized that policy had to be applied at the at the uh, user or at the individual level to uh, to appropriately control data or prevent its loss we cannot live in a world of group policies because group policies will generate false positives and false positives put pressure on security practitioners to open up exceptions exceptions become vulnerabilities to our our companies that's and and that's where I'm, I'm i'm so passionate about being able to to think about policy application or control uh down at the at the individual level based on their riskiness of that person's behavior so i want to there's, there's a lot there i apologize <laughs> no. no i think that was that was very comprehensive let's switch gears for a second phil commercially where are customers investing their their efforts 
Um, I think, you know, a lot of it is in this cloud um, cloud category. So the move I to the cloud. Think, yeah, understanding the cloud is, uh, is learning what, what's, um, what's ahead in the cloud is definitely uh, an area where they're investing. I also see our, our commercial clients continuing to uh, address and invest in the talent issue. Talent continues to be a major challenge for security teams. Um, it's not just the transient nature of, um, uh, of, of talent. It's also just the diversity angle. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd have to tell you, I'm, I'm really excited to say that last week when I was out in the field, I saw a lot of examples of diversity being embraced. Um, but but I, I know if I ask that question to a number of our clients where they feel they, they may have uh, underperformed against their goals is, is really millennials. Um, finding millennials that can come in to the security team to share their perspective uh, and and bring that point of view from from their perspective into the security operations. Um, I, I know there's investment in that area uh, to do some training, but also investing in in, in recruiting the right talent. So, so Erica, you actually oh go ahead. You, you wrote a you wrote the book on millennials. <laughs> Literally, you wrote a book. Well, I wrote a book for millennials um, about adulting, um, and so actually, that's one of my questions. Is we know millennials love technology, right? And so you know, there's obviously the connection between technology and cybersecurity. So why are they not interested in in a world, um, you know, uh, in in the in, in the industry? Um, I don't know. Is it, it um, seems exciting. I really don't know. <laughs> you know, the government answer is they are. They're just going to the commercial world. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Where they pay more, right, <laughs> yeah. Eric? I mean, we hear that week after week when we right. talk to people. Right. They pay more. They're going to the commercial world. Phil, what you're saying is you're not seeing them. Well, I'm not seeing them on the client side. I'm seeing them come into our org, as an example, uh, coming and working in, in companies that are software companies. Um, but if I look at the financial, the healthcare, uh, manufacturing verticals, and, I, and I'm just going from my personal experience, yeah, outside the Bay Area, hmm. no, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm just not. New York and City, no. Really? Well, and I think it'll be fascinating too as we see the Internet of Things and and those types of um, you know technologies increase and the need to make sure we have cybersecurity safeguards uh, in those new technologies. I wonder if that will be more encouraging in terms of seeing more more millennials move into that that area. If not, then I guess you got to start recruiting Gen Z. They're coming up right behind them. So <laughs> time time for a new book. Yeah. <laughs> Gen so, Z. so we're hearing I, a lot. I, I, I mean, learned we're, something. We're hearing the move to the cloud. We're, we're hearing about talent challenges. I mean, some of these are the these are the exact same challenges that government customers are struggling with today. I, yeah. th I think the biggest differential is the government thinks that commercial industry has all, all of the people. <laughs> well, and they're not that's there. An, that's an interesting point of view to, to hit on as well. Now, th now, this is really recent for me. I see a ton of our government, um, you know, our, our government employees moving to the commercial sector. And maybe that's who's taking all the jobs, Erica. Is the <laughs> yes. millennials, the, they're beating the millennials right, to the punch, right, right. so to speak. Um, I have seen a significant shift in, in, that, um, in that, that sort of that, that migration from, from government to commercial. Um, and it's, it's definitely been, I'd say in the last 18 to 24 months, um, if I just reflect on the number of clients that I know that are recruiting for that insider risk 
knowledge that that they lack. Frankly, in the commercial sector, there's a lack of of knowledge on how programs addressing insider risk uh, are are put together, how they're run, how to position them. Like we talked about internally uh, earlier, we talked about internally positioning the, the security apparatus as one that drives growth for the company. How, how do you take an insider risk capability and position it for the company's growth? Hmm. In order to do that, a little, you know, a little bit of um, subject matter expertise coming from the team members who've been doing it for for many many years and have been probably been successful in in detecting abuse neglect um, or other forms of of harm inside of a of a large organization um, and you do you do see it by the way Eric and Erica uh, you do see it as um, as is something that's happening in our largest companies it's really the largest companies who are starting to bring these team members on uh, and my suspicion is that. It's just that it's a moment in time here where the government teams have, you know, have achieved, you know, a lot of their goals and are handing that that baton over to another team. And that gives that person or that team an opportunity to go um, into the commercial sector and do something, you know, fruitful in in that in that um, in that phase of their career. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing for our 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 companies. Well, and that is an area where the government is is rather proficient. The insider yes. threat com- capability, th- there are some really strong capabilities that the government has. Um, it's good to see it going to commercial industry. You know, the, the government is looking, I mean, it's been very public if you look at the Wall Street Journal and some of the other publications out there where you know the defense industrial base and companies that are being contracted or subcontracted out via the government are some of the weakest links in their mind. So totally. it's, it's, it's good to see that happening. Well, and, and if you think about... Um, you know, commercial government partnership. That that's one of the places where I've seen it come together more and more. Um, as you see, well, you have relationships, right? I mean, let's just be human about it. There are relationships that are that are coming together because you've got ex-government folks that still talk to their government, their, you know, their government colleagues that are still doing the work in the government now on the commercial side. That. That's bringing us together a lot more frequently in this category of insider risk, uh, which, to your point, Eric, is not—it's not something that's done as you know a small area of a security operation. Now, it's a major focus. Uh, data protection mm-hmm. and insider risk are major focuses now in in most major companies. That's good to hear. So, Eric, as as we wrap up, we need some Gen Z millennial advice from the expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, I, I always say, one of the things about adulting is to be um, is to be open. And so what I, th- I think what's great is that there are efforts right now to encourage um, those to, you know, look into areas such as cybersecurity in terms of the workforce. I know um, Department of Energy actually does a, a great um, cyber competition. We've had one of the guests on our, our show um, that were at the college level. They're actually giving them a scenario. They go out to the labs and they um, get to have a really cool hands-on experience to solve a cybersecurity issue. So hopefully we'll see, um, we'll see more of that. And, um, you know, I know companies like, um, 
Force Point too. You guys are, are great at, you know, just in terms of being um, inclusive of, of the, the workforce and also, you know, wanting to see more um, diversity in terms of, you know, age, race, all ethnicities, all of those. So it's it's just being open, you know, just because you started off on one track doesn't not mean you might not uh, <laughs> end up on, on the other. So did you guys want to be cybersecurity professionals when you grew up? Uh, I just wanted I just wanted to be like Eric um, and have cool headphones. I mean, Eric, you, you got like a you got like a Star Wars thing going on there. Uh, we are recording, Phil, but go on. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, but um, I was just saying because our listeners can't see see, but we yes. all can see each other, so we like to give a little behind the scenes. So yes, Eric does. Uh, he has. A, no, I mean, I, I think when we were growing studio. up, cybersecurity really didn't exist. It wasn't popularized. You didn't know about it uh, even as a field. And now we have millions of people in cybersecurity, right? It's a growing space. My hope would be as, as Dickie said a couple weeks ago, Dickie George from, from Johns Hopkins, um, some of these millennials, some of these Gen Z, these kids, as I think he called them, will come up and, and really help us make some progress in this area. Yeah, I think the thing that drew me into security was that it was it was hard to understand when I when I got into it. And I knew it was it was it just took a lot of thinking and perspective beyond tech. You had to have a perspective like just the fundamentals of why would somebody steal something from me? From a company right. perspective, because when we started, I, it was all about the architecture and and how do you make something bigger or faster Yes. Not, not yes. protecting. Mm-hmm. Right. It was yes. how do we do how do we get more streams? How do we how do we yes. do this workload? It was it was a really good technology problem to solve. And then all of a sudden, a couple decades, decade, decade and a half ago, all of a sudden you had to worry about well, wait a minute, we have to prevent people from taking what we're doing. Right. Or stopping yeah. or stopping what we're doing, right? An outage. But I think yeah. from Phil and I, from our, our, our generation, it's really, it started in tech, in technology. Totally. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I do think as we see more things such as, you know, AI, um, in the intersection of that with cybersecurity, perhaps that could be a, a new draw. So as I always say, if you watch enough black mirror, it's fascinating to see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I decided to stop watching that because it was so scary. Yeah. <laughs> It gets a little dark. <laughs> yes. I'd love to see well, an AI based on Phil D'Angio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come go. on. <laughs> well, thanks, Phil, for being on the uh, on, on the podcast this week. Definitely your perspective. Um, it, it's it's interesting. As I, as I said, we spend a lot of time just focused on government. So it's great to have that commercial insight as well. Yeah. Thank you Happy so much, here. Phil. Happy Thank to be here anytime. Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners this week. Um, we appreciate all of the feedback. And please let us know more topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. Please also uh, give us a rating on iTunes and just continue to uh, subscribe and tune in every week. And so that's it for this week's uh, episode of To The Point Cybersecurity. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 